Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 AM ESPN Radio, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, it is NCAA Final Four weekend with Michigan playing. I know that excites you. It does, but that's not the most exciting part. Of we this will week. get to that later. Uh, the Sixers are on a winning streak. Mark oh. Kelfoltz has returned. Also good, but not the most not exciting thing this week. Not going to get quite there this week. The NFL nope. made rule changes. That doesn't excite you very much? Nope, not at all. Uh, let me guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have opening day fever. Two words. Play ball. Play ball. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful time of year. Hope springs eternal. Uh, and the snow is thawing outside our window. It, it was a uh, beautiful weather out and uh, opening day and uh, no controversy, right? Nothing, nah, nothing, nothing going at on all. with the no. team. Uh, so when we last left our listeners on the air, uh, we now have Scott Kingery in the majors yep. signed to a pretty long-term deal. Yep. Let's get into That's that good first before we get into opening day and the lineup and, and, and talking about the team. Uh, what do you think of the team making the long-term investment, sacrificing, saying, we're not, we're not going to worry about that time served. We're going to bring them up. We've got options later. Sign them to what seems to be pretty team-friendly deal if he performs the way that people think he will. It's $24 million, right? Mm-hmm. Over what period of time? Uh, one, two, th- uh, six through, years, through right? 2020, there's options through 26. Right. So what, what that means is they've taken a calculated risk to lock him up through his arbitration years. Why are you asking me math at the start of this Because yeah, I think it's fun. I know the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've locked him. They've locked him up for his arbitration years to a still relatively modest deal when you keep in mind Clayton Kershaw makes more than that in one year. So the worst case scenario is he turns out to be a utility infielder and outfielder because he can play pretty much every position. That in the would infield be the worst case. It right. doesn't seem like you're headed in that direction no, given and, the spring he had. And this is not a young guy. This is a guy who played in college too. So he's already 23, 24 years old. So you know, this is, he's a known co- commodity. He's had his time in AAA, and they decided to bring him up quicker. You know, everybody kept talking about how they were going to pull the same stuff on him that the Cubs pulled on their players to keep him down for service time. And what did the Phillies do? They did the exact opposite. And not only does it help with regard to this player, that's the kind of move that agents and players look at. Yeah, it's a Are, signal you're you're going for it exactly, and and I th- so I think that there is goodwill involved in this. In addition, just like with the Jake Arrieta deal. So I was going to say, if you look at this offseason between Carlos Santana, Jake Arrieta, and Scott Kingery, not what you would have thought going into the offseason. You would see come when they throw out the first pitches. This bodes well for Philly going forward in so many different ways beyond just on the field, and I think that's when you're a team that people want to come to. That's what you want. And the Phillies, 10 years ago, that's what they were able to get those guys. And now Clintac is signaling to everybody, look, we're not doing things the old-fashioned way. We're doing things to win now, and we're going to pay you the what we think you should make. And I think that's a good sign. The idea that he is not going to go back to AAA, do you have any concern in terms of being prepared for the off-speed pitching that we had talked about in the past or anything like that? Or you think he's going to kind of learn on the fly. I mean, he hit over 400 in spring training, granted against some guys who are about to bag groceries. <laughs> but 
you know, he he did play well. And look, he made a statement. What's wrong with guys with bad groceries? Nothing at all. Yeah. But I mean, you have to be, you know, have to view the stats with that critical eye in spring training. Uh, do you think that it will translate, or will he have a steeper learning curve? There's going to be struggles, and that uh, people. It's a 162 game season. Everybody struggles, and guys that just come up to the majors for the first time, they're pushing hard if they don't get off to a good start. So I think the way that Kapler is going to do this with rotating people around and making sure people get breaks, I think it stops you from pressing too hard because you have these mandatory breaks built in. Well, let's talk about that because it's a 162-game schedule. But not everybody's going to play 162 games with this guy. No, nobody, uh, you, there you, will, nobody will. There'll you, be no you, Jimmy Rollins in this group. You saw opening day with the decision to not play Odubel Herrera. Didn't go over well with Odubel. I don't blame him. I guess that's what I want, though. You know, you don't want somebody who says, oh, okay, coach. No problem. Like, I want him to be angry. I don't know if you want to make him angry before you start the season, but I want him to not be happy if he's not starting. Yeah. See, the the, the explanation that was given by Kapler is is that he looks not just at today's game. He looks seven days ahead. And he figures out when he can put people in the best positions to do their best and when to rest them. Because he's going to rest everybody. That's the idea of having these versatile players. Optionality. The problem with Little it Sixers is... Lingo. Yeah, <laughs> load management. <laughs> The, the problem, all, the, all these terms that we hate, couldn't stand from the Sixers build, you're going to hear around the now Phillies. You're going to the hear them concept. everywhere. You're going to yeah. hear them in football. It's it's going to permeate through every sport. So, but the problem with that is, it just like it means a ton for opening day for me as a fan. To the players, go on any one of their Twitter accounts this morning, and they woke up and the first thing they did was tweet about opening day, and. It means something to these players to play on opening day, and Odubel, that was taken away from him. I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm just saying that it, it is a big deal, regardless of whether you're thinking seven days ahead. Just like I thought for sure Alfaro was going to be the starting catcher, not Knapp, and Knapp is the opening day catcher. Why? I assume that he has looked at the statistics because now we are... Everything with this team is going to be statistically based. Right. So he has obviously seen something in the way that Knapp hits this type of pitcher because it's not like you have a big sample size with either one of these guys in the major league. So you think it has more to do with his offensive performance than his ability to call the game over Alfaro? I think it's both. I mean, both of these guys have caught Nola. So it's not a surprise. And they didn't have a limited catcher per pitcher. So I'm assuming that he has looked at a whole binders full of stats, and they figured out that for this particular game and the seven games going forward, he's mapped out who's going to be the catcher in which game. So let's go through the opening day roster a little bit. Uh, there are 14 players who were not on the opening day roster last year. Ten players have never been on an opening day Isn't roster. crazy? on this team i mean it goes to show you the youth that this organization has again i i look at it through the lens of my son who is going to grow up wanting these he's never players, been on an opening day roster but either. he's he's going to want these players names on the back of the jerseys that he asked me to get him and i just think that that's cool that we're at a time now where these are the players that are going to come of age as as he grows up mm -hmm. you know it's like i have my fond memories of the athletes that, that I became a sports fan of. He's going to grow up with these players, just like we talked about with the Eagles and the Sixers and the Flyers. That 
it's a fun time for them. Yeah, I think I think at least for me, it always was the pl- the players that I have the fondest memories of were the ones when I was seven to eleven or twelve years old. So that for your son, that's going to be some of these guys. I yeah, mean, for me, it was like Charles Barkley and Randall, and it was like it was like that time for me. Those were the the big names on the teams when I mean I was a little older at that point when those teams were better but those are like the sports memories that I have at that time. Yeah, and I, I did want to mention just briefly that, that yesterday Rusty Staub passed away and he was one of those players for me. He wasn't in his prime when I was young. That was before me. He was a basically a pinch hitter for the Mets. And he was just one of those guys you remember Rusty Staub from if you were from that place which is in northern New Jersey back in that time. Which you is heard in the real 70s. good stories about him after his passing. I mean, yes. obviously, you know more of the, the story of him as a player. But the roster that they came north with, why don't you break down the catchers first? Well, we got Alfaro and Knapp. And as, as, as you saw, Rupp has been cut. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't come back. He's now cleared waivers, and he's a free agent. Did that surprise you, that move? No, I mean, I, I got we got the signals early on this year that they liked what Knapp brought, and they both of those guys are much more offensive hitters than Cameron Rupp. Both of them. The question that I always had was with Knapp was as is his catching ability, and it's turned out that Knapp, when he was early in his minor league career, was not known as a defensive catcher, and what he seems to have excelled at now is framing pitches, which is a huge thing now. That's one of the statistics that they're constantly checking is how good they are at framing their pitches. Well, and that's why they had the umpires in spring training to to show the, the players exactly what was going on. I thought that was a, a really effective change. I want to see how that pays off yeah. during the season. So I think that works out. My hope is, is that Rupp comes back and gets to work with some of the pitchers that are coming up. I think that that would benefit them greatly. So you think that Rupp ends up back on the team? No, I didn't say I think he does. I said I hope he does. There's not enough catchers in the major leagues, so so he should be able to fight. He's a major league catcher. I mean, what what is your fondest memory of, of last year? Mine is is when when Rupp got barreled into, and his face was planted down, and he just held up the ball. Held up the ball, yeah. and you know had it. And look, I mean, he's he, a tough guy. He played the way that, that Philly fans like to see. He played the game the right way, mm-hmm. and so you know if he doesn't end up back with the Phillies you would assume and you hope that he catches on someplace because he just seems like a good guy yeah he does uh let's break down the infielders so they've got six infielders that they came north with Carlos Santana Scott Kingery Cesar Hernandez J.P. Crawford Mikel Franco and Pedro Florimon the amazing thing is they actually have seven infielders because Hoskins is a first baseman true so this is now well, then, part of this jigsaw and they're puzzle counting again. Kingery potentially as an outfielder right so and so a question for you on that like you're going to laugh about this because you know, I know you hate when I talk about fantasy sports. Yeah. But in fantasy sports, you can only start so many players at certain positions. And I'm finding it interesting, the versatility of some of the players in major league sports right now. Like in the NHL, it used to be that you were a center left winger, right winger. Now you're a center and a left winger. You're a right winger and a left winger. Mm-hmm. In, in baseball, you're starting to have that where... You know, Hoskins can play first or can play out in left field. Kingery can play any of the infield positions or go out to the outfield. So you're telling me in your fantasy league you can't start him in infield or outfield? You have to designate him? It depends on the league, but yeah. for, for my league, yes. And you can only, So you can only have so many centers on your roster. Right. So versatility in somebody who is a center along with a left wing and a right wing gives you the ability to put them on. Same thing 
here. I, I just find the versatility as the impact on the sport itself interesting because you would think it would preserve players throughout the season having the same number of players on the roster with the ability to play more places at different times. I love it as long as they can actually play the positions. My concern was with somebody like Roman Quinn, who's a very good outfielder, that they were trying to squeeze back into shortstop. Were you surprised he didn't make the team? A little bit because, you know, it's it, it's old school to have a speedster on your bench to come in and pinch run, and it would have been nice to have that. Not to say that these other guys aren't aren't fast, but Roman Quinn was lightning fast. You think he comes up during the season, or you think yeah. he spends... I think he does, or I think that he's part of the trade chips that, that might go to get another pitcher. Okay. Because that's what I think is going to happen. I think this versatility, if it works out in the positive, is going to be something that makes them more valuable come trade deadline. And some of these guys are going to go so that you can get a top-of-the-line third pitcher to go behind Nolan Arietta. Does it also make them more expendable if you have other people that can play that role? Yeah. I mean, uh, you I mean, know, that's that's that that's that's there, there's two sides to every coin, and that's the two sides to this. Do you feel confident in the players that the Phillies Phillies brought north in terms of a defensive infield? Yes, the, the, yeah. I think the team's going to hit. I, I, they'll go through slumps, but it doesn't seem like hitting's going to be a problem for this team. It's going to be pitching and defense. No, that, no, 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 no. Defense, there is nothing wrong with this. Well, team. That, and that's take a look at take a look at the the regular outfields. Now, Reese Hoskins is is a, is a typical left fielder he's not particularly athletic when it comes to covering a lot of ground but you have now the other three outfielders you have Odubel Herrera Aaron Althair and you have um, Nick Williams mm-hmm. all cover a ton of territory in the outfield in the infield you have J.B. Crawford who already without ca- taking a ball is, is already going to be a gold glove candidate he's highlight reel yes he's that good material you, you have Cesar Hernandez and Scott Kingery at second base, both very good defensive second basemen. And you have a potential gold glove first baseman in Carlos Santana. Plus, you have two guys behind the plates who can throw out runners consistently. Yeah, people are going to learn real fast not to try and take a base on Alfaro. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, <laughs> he's got a gun for an arm back there, and he's pretty accurate. Which, which should help with the pitchers is, no, is knowing that you can now – Go through your regular motion and not have to rush your pitches. You didn't mention Mikel Franco <laughs> uh, in that defensive assessment. And I is he the weak link of the infield, amazingly? He's the weak, uh, to me, he's the weak link of the team on offense and defense. Not to say he's not good, but it, it, I still I did not see in spring training. He did hit a bunch of home runs. I didn't see the plate discipline that he needs, and I didn't go, ah, it's all fixed. I'm going to have to see it for 100 to 200 at-bats. Does that say more to you about the strength that you believe the team has or the weakness that he has as a player still? The the holes that he has in, in his ability in terms of you know, his swing at times and, and you, some other you, issues? You, d- you don't have all-stars at every position you can't afford to have all-stars at every position so how patient if, if, is this if you team have with a, him? if you have a guy that can hit 20 to 25 home runs he's going to bat 230 240 he's going to make some great plays at third base and then he's going to just have some you know brain lapses where he just doesn't do the right thing if he's the weak link you know what go back to the teams 10 years ago and you had ryan howard at first jace utley at second and you had Jimmy Rollins at shortstop, and then you had just a series of whoever, third whoever was at third right, base. You had that. Abraham Nunez. You had all sorts of guys. So 
I'm okay with that. How patient is this team going to be with Mikel Franco? Um, I don't think very. I, I think that they want to make this work at a minimum to make him a trade chip, but I don't think Kapler is going to put up with mental mistakes. I, I think if people make physical mistakes, he's going to be okay with it. This has been my worry about Kapler from the moment they signed him. He is very high energy. He's more like a peer to them because of his age than he is a lot of the managers we've had in the recent past. And now you're going to have a situation where if somebody doesn't run out of ball, they're going to sit on the bench. I, like I could picture Gabe Kapler, if Oduble doesn't run to first place, running across the field and just grabbing him. Grabbing him saying, by the shirt it. jersey and pulling him across. In. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the manager. Do you feel more comfortable with him? as the team comes north than you did at the start of spring training and now yes. that you've seen some of the things he's done? Yeah, I, I think that this was, I'll use my Michigan analogy of Jim Harbaugh. Jim, Is everything going to be Michigan today? Uh, yeah, maybe, a lot of things. Cause, okay. Because they also made the Frozen Four, if anybody knows what it is. But, um, <laughs> anybody knows what it is. <laughs> but when Harbaugh came to Michigan, everybody's like, you know, he just was crazy, saying crazy stuff, trying to get attention. It got them on the front page of the papers, but then he's now kind of faded into the woodwork gonna, and he's now just coaching. Yeah, but I hate to deflate your bubble. They're not doing very much as a team. Uh, give it a year. <laughs> give it this year, okay? <laughs> I know baseball and hockey are doing great, but, That's right, but yeah. Mr. Khaki isn't quite getting it done no, right now. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're focused on John Beeline right now. Okay. So, But I, I think he's, he'd, he's settled in. The players seem to like what he's done. We'll see if this is, he's the kind of guy that can roll with the punches as opposed to be somebody that wears thin quickly. But I think that he might be the right manager, and I feel more confident than I did when they signed him. Who's the Phillies' closer? Right now, it's Hector. Is he going to be the Phillies' closer? Again, I don't think... The one thing I don't think... As of this this show. (laughs) I don't think Kapler is going to be patient with that. So So how do you feel about the bullpen coming north? We we thought that Mark Leiter was going to be a guy who was sort of stretched out long. He's out now with an injury. Two to three weeks. It's not not a long-term problem. It seems like they're trying to make Jake Thompson into a a long reliever Mm -hmm. kind of guy. How do you feel about the depth of the bullpen? Great. I think they they got some young guys. Adam Morgan, who we've had on the show, who I think is going to be a great lefty in there. Hobie Milner, who, you know, I've seen him since he was was down in single A – they changed his delivery to the sidearm crazy delivery, and it seems to work. I don't think it works for more than one or two hitters Him at a time. Him and have some fun deliveries. Yeah, can you imagine being a batter who faces Bill Milner one inning and the next inning faces Nishak? You'd be diving out of the box. Well, I'd be diving so, out of the box anyway. But, but I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if Nishak doesn't end up being the closer if Hector falters. So... You're pretty confident going into the season. The over-under in Vegas is 75 and a half wins. If I could get out to Vegas tomorrow, I would easily take the over. Yeah, to me, that seems low. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have talked about it. I, I'm at like 83, 84 it, well, wins. I but, think they contend for a wild card, but it depends how their young players play, whether they can get there. Well, it depends on the starting staff. That's, that's where does, the problem It does, but remember, is. they play the Braves and the Marlins a lot. Yes. That's their saving grace, mm-hmm. is that... Well, the Mets aren't aren't going to be any good this year either. But I mean, that's the you know the competition itself. It's like we've talked about with the Sixers coming down the stretch. They're they're playing teams that are tanking, and so are they what their record is and how bad they're beating people yeah, up. Or? But, but you you need more. Even even your aces don't win all their games. So so you have Nola, who we think is just going to continue to progress into being the you know Cole Hamels type player. You have Arietta that you just expect 
what you expect, which is greatness. And he'll start the eighth. He'll right. come off the DL. He's, but, but then what do you have after that? Now, I'm hoping Eikhoff comes back sooner than, rather than later, but you don't know. He didn't have a great year last year. You still have, you have Vinny, but you don't know if you're getting more than four and a half innings your boy, out of him. Your boy Vinny right, right? there. You have Lively. They you're kept, not sure. They kept, they kept Lively. They optioned Eflin to AAA. Well, I think that the reason they did that is because they have six starters right now on this team. And, and it, Eflin is not a long reliever. He is a potential starter. So I think that you want to get him down there and get him his rotation pitches. You don't want to bring him up here and have him just sitting on the bench blowing bubbles in the bullpen. Have you bought your Phillies tickets yet? Of Are course you, I have. You, yeah. So what are you going to first, a minor league game or a major league game? Well, it turns out you may that, end up going. That, <laughs> that, that it may be going to the Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go do some scouting for us? Yes. Sounds good to me. Well, why don't we uh, leave opening day there for right now? Let's uh, hit the break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little Sixers with uh, beat reporter Sarah Todd from The Inquirer. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Attention sports fans, the Heart of Sports is excited to be the media partner with the newly formed Athletic Business Alliance for their kickoff event being held on May 8th at Ron Jaworski's Ramblewood Country Club in Mount Laurel. Players from across all sports have been invited to connect with the Alliance's player-to-player network. If you'd like to get involved, sponsorship opportunities include program advertising and tickets. Visit abagamechangers.net or call 856-673-1911. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Jeff, you're going to have to wait another couple minutes to talk about Michigan, okay? Oh. It's time to talk. Well, this some, is worth it. It's time to talk some Sixers basketball. Yeah, so on the line right now, we're happy to have on Sarah Todd from the Inquirer. Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. Can't complain. I'm watching these Sixers play basketball. It's a good time to, to be a basketball fan in the city. Well, yeah, but we, we do have to ask the big question. So, so yet yeah, at the game on Wednesday, uh, Joel Embiid hit the ho- the floor hard after hitting Fultz's shoulder hard. Yes, and uh, he ended up going to the hospital, and not playing the rest of the game. Has there been any update? Yeah. So uh, my colleague Keith Pompey at the Enquirer is uh, just recently reported that Joel will not be on this two game road trip that includes Atlanta and Charlotte. Um, it, the team is calling it a facial contusion, though some people that have seen his face said that there could be a fracture, that there was, it seemed like there was more than just bruising going on. Uh, he's going to have some further tests done, but right now the uh, diagnosis is an official facial contusion and he will not play the next two games. So you think that means that he'll then be wearing a mask after that? I mean, if we could just get a 
Phantom of the Opera type indeed. I think we're all going to enjoy the way that that looks. But I, I can't wait I mean, to see I what I don't know. I can't wait to see what he does on Instagram and Twitter with a mask if he has to wear one. Well, well, a- after the game when he, he went to the hospital, didn't he put something on Instagram like "no good"? Yeah, it scared everybody yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah, so many sleepless and tired people today in Philadelphia after that Instagram post. Uh, he, it was just like, it was maybe two to three second video on Instagram of his, him in the hospital bed. And it just said, not good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, it definitely didn't help the way that I started my day out. Uh, when I saw that, I was trying to figure out what happened. <laughs> so, uh, okay. It, it, so he, he didn't play, which in a way may kind of be a blessing in disguise if they can actually keep winning and he, they get to rest him a little bit. Getting punched in the face is not, not a blessing Jeff in disguise. Jeff doesn't like when I try to find the bright side of something. He's Mr. Glass I'm Half Empty. Just looking for a silver lining. Look, I was just happy that Markel Fultz's shoulder was still feeling good after that. So, I mean, look, I, I take small victories at this point. But the Sixers did go on to uh, to have another big game uh, blown out the Knicks on Wednesday night. Um, they are playing some fun basketball. And while Embiid is out a little bit, uh, Markel Fultz has made his return. Your thoughts on the surprise of him coming back and, and how he's played so far? Well, I think that the... The way that they brought him back, they're actually plugging him into the rotation rather than just using him exclusively in garbage minutes. I think that's the right way to do it. I think that if you were going to him back and only use him situationally, that it would just be too much to risk and why do it? Just wait until next season. I think this is the right way. As far as how he looks, um, the free throw that we saw last night definitely had a hitch in it still, uh, but it wasn't as just terrible looking as it was earlier in the season. So what I wrote last night was the the whole point of everything is that we are seeing progress. And that's really important at this point because there was a long time where we were wondering, is this guy ever going to be able to come back from this? So the fact that he took some jumpers the other night, he was able to shoot a free throw and make one of two, that's progress. He was more. He's been more aggressive than I thought he would be. That that's you know he's he's taken it to the hole, kicked it out a little bit. Uh, he's definitely gone right in with the assists. You know I I again maybe I'm just looking with with shiny glasses, but I was surprised he came back and played the way he did after everything that we've seen and heard about it. Uh, what's your reaction to the way the Philly fans treated him? Uh, standing ovation little mocking of the Vikings chant. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, the fact that Philadelphia has just taken the Vikings, like, chance and all, everything that was theirs and made it their own, it, it's not even like it's an homage anymore. It's, it's completely a Philadelphia thing, and <laughs> it's just in perfect character for them. And what a good way for Mark. I mean, we're talking about a 19-year-old kid who has had one of the strangest seasons and in injuries in a long time in basketball, in the story of basketball. And so how nice it is for him who may have been lacking a little bit of confidence, trying to get comfortable to come back and have that type of ovation. I mean, they were on their feet just the first time he touched the ball and he hasn't even done anything to like receive. Like, it's not like he's earned anything or he's been the greatest player anyone has ever seen. They're just giving him this love because they support him and they want good things for him. So it's got to be great for, for him moving forward. See, I, I agree with you, Sarah. I don't know if you heard, but a certain sport ca- sportscaster down in Miami said that 
the Philadelphia fans were patronizing by by clapping for him when he came in. I, I think that this is another example of Philadelphia fans knowing what to do to get the most of the out of their athletes, the way the way that they can help to the extent that they can. Yeah, I I mean I completely disagree with the idea of them being patronizing. You could tell I mean I think that it would have felt a little bit different in that building had it had a different sentiment behind it, but it was com- you could tell that everyone was cheering for him out of a place of like hope and love and not anything malicious at all. So one of the things that I was concerned about was that after Joel came out uh, on Wednesday, that the that they did not bring Amir Johnson in at all. Is is Amir healthier? Right. Or is the is the new is the new idea here that we're going to give Rashad Holmes as many minutes as we can? No, that was I th- that was just a weird turn of events because uh, Amir wasn't playing last night because he had flu-like symptoms or gastroenteritis symptoms, depending on who you ask. But he was just not feeling well yesterday. Otherwise, he probably would have been the first guy off the bench in that case. Jeff knows, and I, we've talked about this when Keith Monpe was in here. I enjoy seeing Rashawn Holmes get get more minutes. Uh, Jeff always says that it's because he's playing in garbage time that he looks so good. But I mean, he just he, he shows flashes to me that I enjoy seeing more of him on the court. So I get they want Amir in there for the leadership and some of the other things that he does. But I, I enjoy the energy that Rashawn Holmes brings into the game when he gets on the court. So I'll tell you what yeah, I, I think. There's a cup. Good. There's a couple of different things that I think about in that situation. Uh, one thing a lot of people I think don't see with Amir, or maybe they gloss over because he's not as like offensively flashy, is that he sets just the best kind of screens that are so helpful. And especially when we're talking about a second unit and trying to get guys open, and they're you know maybe not as fine-tuned as the starting unit. His, his screen setting is so great. So we and need to have Markel and Joel Embiid talk with Amir a little bit about screen setting then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, not setting them on themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's, but I agree with you that I, I love watching Rashawn play. He, and he's so prideful about what he does and he really, really wants to get better. And it's hard to get better when you're getting such limited minutes. Um, but he's, He's such a jolt of energy that I really enjoy when he's on the court. When the team comes back home, it will be over 100 days uh, since December that they've lost on the home court. Uh, your your thoughts on, on how well they've played at home and as they go to try and have the three seed, uh, you know, right now they're, they're sitting in fourth. How big is that going to be for this young team? They seem to just feed off the energy and the crowd has been fantastic lately. Yeah, there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, if we're looking at it as how is this Sixers season going to be defined as far as success is concerned, I mean, the fact that they are locked into the playoffs already with games to go and that they're probably going to make a little bit of noise and be competitive in the playoffs, I would call that an absolute success for the season. That being said, uh, there are some teams that home court advantage doesn't really matter that much, but Philadelphia is not one of them. Their home court is a huge advantage. So I know that they want it really bad, and it's clear why they just play better when they're at home. So, Sarah, Dario Saric it looks like two different players from the first 20 games of the season to the rest of the season. What What's happened that all of a sudden he's been able to turn it on? He's so much fun to watch at times. <laughs> 
I I spend a lot of time talking about Dario. I think he's the most interesting and the most dynamic sexer. Uh, I had a piece today talking about, you know, that hustle play that he had Wednesday when he dove for the ball and slaughtered it to Ben Simmons for a dunk on the other end. You know, he came up bleeding and celebrating, and it's just it, – that is exactly the type of player that he is. And it's weird to think back that he started the first five games of the season on the bench. He wasn't going to be in this starting rotation because – he is so integral to the starting unit. And I think that the reason that it was kind of wobbly a little bit in the beginning was his role wasn't exactly defined because there were so many question marks early on this year, but he's so good at adapting to those types of situations. It was like, okay, I'll take the first few games. It's not going so well. And he just found a way to figure out the space and he understands where guys are going to roll or pop or pass from and he's always ready for the ball. It's just he's such a great player and such a good guy you would want on your team. Ben Simmons has now passed Allen Iverson for the most assists as a rookie in Sixers history, continues to put up triple doubles when they let him play the whole game. Uh, generally when he's not, it's because they're, they're sitting him because they're, they're blowing it out at the end of the game. Uh, have you been surprised at, at how well he's played at times? Uh, and, you know, I, I asked Keith when he was in here, to me, it looks like he's playing a little more aggressively. Uh, he's he's taking it to the hole at times. Uh, it just seems a little more confident in himself. What are your thoughts as he leads this team into the playoffs now? Um, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't know what to expect from Ben Simmons, and he has completely surprised me. And absolutely the way that he surprised me has been on the defensive end and with his ability to to distribute and like the precision that he does it with is just it blows my mind sometimes when I'm watching him pass the ball and you know a lot of us that are there like in the media section will be like how did he actually get that pass through that many defenders it's just it's really impressive and on the defensive end his ability to kind of stick with guys no matter their height or speed and his length it's I mean I, I wouldn't want to go up against him heading into the playoffs. No, people would more want to go against me. Uh, I do have a – I'm, I'm yeah. going to take a step back now uh, because Jeff knows that I'm too busy watching DVR games of Summer League, uh, and he knows that I have no mm-hmm. more TV shows in my repertoire. He he wants to talk some X-Files with you, and so I'm going to let him take that expertise over with you, and you guys can go for that. So, so, so when I've been down to the Sixers facility, uh, Sarah and I found that we have – a commonality in the uh, classic show, The X Files. So, I just needed to ask, and for people out there, did you did you get to watch the finale a couple weeks ago? I'm going to disappoint you so much right now. Are you kidding? But I have only watched. No, <laughs> I'm the. I mean, <laughs> you gave her the, the time. Story of my life. No. <laughs> you didn't watch it. I, but you should see the disappointment worry, in Jeff's face right now. I still have a lot of terrible takes out of the two or three episodes I actually did watch <laughs> from the most recent season. So I'm, I'm still ready to go with that. So first of all, I am, I mean, I told you this when we were talking about X-Files at the Sixers uh, practice complex. I hate Scully so much. There's just <laughs> so much that I hate about her. And I just, the fact that, after 11 seasons, she's like, I don't know, Mulder, can this be real? Like, she still doesn't believe. I, 
I just I want to shake her and like <laughs> lift up her head when the UFO goes by. Well, you but, know, we we actually worked out a surprise, Sarah, that Jillian Anderson is going to be our next guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Don't worry, he's well, not actually I've serious got, about that. I've got some words for her. No. <laughs> well, I, I would see, have some words for her. See, but 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 Sarah, the, the fact that you feel that way. You, you had to watch the last episode because that's what there is to talk about. Don't what, have spoilers with people. Well, I won't oh, say man. what happened, but oh, I, but I, but I was more other than other than opening day. I, there was nothing I was more excited to talk about <laughs> than than the ridiculous <laughs> final Sarah, you finale that they just had, and in relation to Jillian Anderson, and and so now you're going to have to come back in a couple of weeks, and you're going to have to watch that DVR episode. <laughs> Sarah, you don't understand. When he told I, me you were coming on, it, it wasn't like, let's prep Sixers questions because we know what we're going to ask. It was, I really want to talk X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I totally understand because, I, I mean, it is rare that I find people that really actually want to talk about X-Files with me, and I could talk for hours about it. But, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that I've got a little bit of a busy schedule with the team that I cover, so I'm I'm going to fall back on that as an excuse. See, I'm going to blame this. If, if Joel Embiid had not gotten hurt on Wednesday night, that maybe that we would have been able to have this conversation. That's right. Now. She's been waiting on Instagram yeah. for his latest So, so Markel Fultz comes back and just ruins the whole part of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, I would have been I would have been able to binge some X Files had it not been for Markel Fultz's shoulder made of steel apparently <laughs> well we will uh we'll hope that you get a little time to catch up on the x-files you'll let jeff know when you do so that you can finish that conversation with him on and, air on air and we'd of course love to have you come back on as this team uh, moves into the playoffs they've already clinched a spot we'll see where they end up absolutely i promise to let you know when i finish the x-files season and i'd be happy to come back on all right <laughs> thanks so care, much sarah. have a great one sarah all right, Jeff. Yes. Um, Sixers. You've been, you were down I, I there. Sh I should have just told her the ending. <laughs> Honestly, you should have told her in advance that you were going to ask her about it. You shouldn't have put her on the I, spot like that. I did. People won't want to come back if you throw them out there like that. Come on, man. You can only throw me on the spot like that for things. All right. Uh, the, the You were down there the other night. What was yes, the I atmosphere was. like? I saw you had a picture with your son with... Uh, Walt Clive Frazier there. Um, yeah, by, by the way, for World Be Free, you have met your match. Yeah, you like that suit, don't so, you? So it, the funny thing was, so we were down there for shoot-around. So my son was watching the shoot-around. I'm walking around, and all of a sudden, I see World Be Free, and he's not wearing a suit. Now, if anybody goes down to Sixers games, he wears some of the snappiest suits you've ever seen. I couldn't pull it off, but, but he looks good in those suits. Well, yesterday he had on just a, a pair of slacks and and like a shirt. It was still better looking than anything I wear, but I was like, "What's going on?" Walt and, Frazier looked like he was wearing and, a sofa. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have been wearing a sofa. So he was he was wearing something that you clearly could have had a picnic on. I, I enjoyed the picture that you put up of of your son. But what was the atmosphere like down there? Uh, did you hold your breath when you saw Embiid hit the floor? Yeah, because because it wasn't just. First, he got hit in the head, and then he went down to the ground, and he laid there, and everybody ran away. Nobody knew what happened, so all the other players run down to the other side of the court, and all of a sudden, you see the biggest guy on the court just laying face down, and he's kind of writhing. So you don't know, nobody knew where the injury was, what was going on, but he wasn't getting up. So they all, the whole bunch of them went out there, 
And then Brett Brown looked like he talked to him and then went back and grabbed his clipboard. So I'm thinking, okay, then it's going to be okay. Well, then other players started walking out with like pillows and stuff. And he went to get up and he just said, forget it. And he went back down and he just kind of sat there for a while. And then your immediate thought goes to concussion, which by the way, there was also a player on the Knicks who went down and looked like he had a concussion too. And I'm going, am I watching the wrong sport? All of a sudden there's concussion protocol for basketball and Embiid left the court and the entire game. It was hard to watch the game because you keep wanting to watch the bench to say, is he at least out here again? And he never came out. So the whole game was kind of clouded with where's Joel, even though they were winning. So they are 14 games above 500 now. Uh, That's pretty, pretty good. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's the first time since 2003. They've got the third best record since December 30th. And like we said, they've only lost. And they have one, clinched. They've lost one game at home in 2018, and it's almost April. That is incredible. I, I mean, it really, it really is. It's just wait. Know, did they lose one in 2018, or was it at the end of 2017? They lost to Indiana. Oh. Um, but you know, in addition to that, I mean, they've got the seventh best record in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And if you think about this in comparison, in March they're 12 and three. In 2016, for the whole season, they were 10 and 72. And by and by the way, they really kicked it into gear with picking up two guys that got cut: Ilyasova and uh, Bellinelli. And Bellinelli. They, they've been uh, very big acquisitions. You have got for everybody that was critical of Colangelo before. Those two pickups were brilliant pickups for this team because they Bellinelli was exactly what they needed when Reddick goes to the bench. You want to hear how far this team has come? Four years ago this week, the headline in the Philadelphia Inquirer was about the Sixers losing their 26th game in a row. I can't. I can't even imagine that now. I mean, that, and that's you know, you're watching this team, and you you know, you don't want to get carried away with what it is. They're a young team, but they're really playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, you look at the turnovers that they have. It's funny. A lot of the turnovers come with the second unit. So, like, they have a high turnover count, but it's not always well, the starters. Well, not really. When Embiid turns it over a lot. Embiid does. Yes. But but Simmons is pretty good with the ball, generally. Yes. Um, and, and as a whole, they're, they're generally not terrible as a team. It's just, um, you know, coming down the stretch, they, they've got Atlanta Friday night. They've got Charlotte. Obviously, Embiid won't be playing. But look, I mean, you're 14 games above 500 now. You're, you're going for the third spot in the East. Anybody yeah. who, who told me that would happen at the start of the season, I'd tell them they're crazy. And these two games that they were going to play without Embiid, hopefully that's it. Those games are winnable without him. They are. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what you hope happens. All right, Jeff, question. Do you want to take a break or do you want to go right to March Madness? I want to go to March Madness. All right. I know you stayed awake for Michigan to make the Final Four. Yes. I know you're a very excited alum. And I have a stupid grin on my face right now. You do have a stupid grin. But there's a fight between seniors about the Final Four. Yes. So explain what is going on to our listeners. So Sister Jean is the the woman who is with Loyola of Chicago. She's 98 years old, and she goes to all the basketball games. And she has been the face of the basketball team going into the Final Four. But Michigan is now running up against Loyola of Chicago this Saturday night. And so Michigan's got its own septuagenarian. (laughs) 
uh, only she actually is. She's 100 years old, and she said it's, the following. It's Jalen Rose's grandmother. To Jane, it's been a good ride, but it's over Saturday. Go Blue! 100. That's what I'm talking about. Trash talking grandmas. Yeah. So, so that's for what anyone, the final four has come down to right now. For anybody who didn't understand everything that she said, this is a hundred year old woman. This is Jalen Rose's grandma. And, and she said, Sister Jean, it's been a good ride, but it's over Saturday night. You, so that's what you want. You want hundred year olds talking smack. Uh, Michigan's won 14 in a row. They last lost against Northwestern in February. Right. How confident do you feel right now as a Michigan alum? I feel really good about Saturday night. I don't feel so good about Monday. I think whoever, even as a Michigan fan, I'm telling you that whoever wins Saturday night in the Kansas-Villanova game is likely going to win the national championship. Villanova is one of only five schools ever to advance to at least three Final Fours over the last 10 seasons. They join UConn, Kentucky, Michigan State, and North Carolina. Uh, Are you disappointed you won't be there? I am. Uh, it's really did you think about going. I did. I actually looked into going. The problem is San Antonio is not easy to get to. Okay. Uh, you know, I went in 2013 when they were in Atlanta. That's an easy flight. There's lots of them. San Antonio is just not easy. Didn't. To that game didn't happen. I know it didn't. That happen. game was vacated. The NCAA tells me that game never existed. By the by the way, so Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway <laughs> were the backcourt. The, they were the backcourt for the Knicks last night. So Trey Burke, if you ever want to walk up to him and say to him, just tell him the block was good. And, and he'll know what it means because that should not have been a foul and they should have won the game anyway. Have you enjoyed this tournament? Yes. Uh, the, look, the, the NCAA tournament is the best of all playoffs. It, it's one and done. It's it's school spirit. There's so much intensity. I to tried every to explain to my game. wife how I used to treat the first two days of the tournament as a holiday and like wouldn't go to classes. Uh-huh. Now she responded that in fairness, I didn't go to classes on other days, so it's <laughs> not really a holiday if you're if you're treating it that way. Yeah, you're not really selling it the right no, way. No, not quite. And I'm sure my parents don't appreciate that I did that or that I'm telling the story on the radio. But what can you do? Yeah. Uh, I love this time of year. I'm very much looking forward to the semifinals. I'm I'm hoping. Look. I, I like the story of Loyola Chicago. I want to see a big name team in the finals. I want to see Loyola play Can or I want to see Michigan play Kansas or Villanova. I I'd like to see Villanova Michigan. I had picked Villanova to win. Uh, we have Ryan Lennox. I was going to say there's some creepy dudes on the other side of the glass that are glass saying Villanova. Who, who's very interested in, in having Villanova? He's like wearing a flag around right now uh, for the studio analyst. He, he literally has his Villanova flag and he's waving it in front of the glass. And of course, you can catch uh, the Nova game here on 610 AM Sports on Saturday as well. Listen to Ryan do the pre-show and the score updates. Um, so with that, let's uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little Sixers G League for, for a minute, right, Jeff? Sounds good. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Attention sports fans, the Heart of Sports is excited to be the media partner with the newly formed Athletic Business Alliance for their kickoff event, 
being held on May 8th at Ron Jaworski's Ramblewood Country Club in Mount Laurel. Players from across all sports have been invited to connect with the Alliance's player-to-player network. If you'd like to get involved, sponsorship opportunities include program advertising and tickets. Visit abagamechangers.net or call 856-673-1911. Oh, I was going to ask her. That's Jeff talking into the microphone again. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports I like with Jason to do that. Springer and Jeff Cohen. Yeah, why would you let the music play and start the show when we're supposed to? Well, you know, I think people should know that we continue to talk. It's yeah. not like it's not like we hate each other, so we keep talking during the break. Yeah, we don't keep we don't stop talking ever. We are thrilled to be joined right now on the line by Larry Milai, who is the president of the now Delaware Bluecoats. Larry, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How about that? The blue coats. We I, look. I, I love, love the name. I love and I love the logo. Like I'm ready to get some merchandise. So I'll, I'll be <laughs> I'll be pitching that for you. I I was like showing the logo around to the producers when I came in today. I was like, did you guys see it? <laughs> so well done with that. How did you okay. How did you come about that? Did you do a so contest I, or? So no, we didn't do necessarily a um, a fan you know forward facing sweepstakes, but. You know, we've been here for five years, and you know we've had um, our ear to the ground, and feel like we have a pretty good pulse on what, what's happening here. So um, we wanted to create something that we thought Delaware would be proud of and would rally behind. And uh, I can't, I can tell you, we probably spent a lot of time in the library in the history books. Um, trying to get this right, but that you know certainly was uh, a lot of work went into yeah, to coming e- up with it. Even your mascot, whose name is Rodney, has historical uh, reference, huh? Yeah. So I mean, this this whole thing, obviously, you know, again, finding something that was reflective of Delaware, its history, the people, but also had this tie, this revolutionary tie to the Sixers, since that you know the team is such an iconic brand that's tied to. Um, you know, that, that revolutionary era that uh, we wanted to make sure that we, we incorporated all of that. And um, so here you have Cesar Rodney, who, you know, is probably the founding father of Delaware, who, you know, had this historic ride from Dover to Philly to cast a deciding vote. See how much I know on this? I, I, I'm impressed. teacher <laughs> would, be, would be proud. I, I, I'm um, impressed. Our listeners are actually so we, getting yeah, a real history lesson. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we wanted to make, you know, kind of symbolize that ride. And that's really what our logo is, uh, came from. Well, I, I think you nailed it. Uh, the, the jerseys look great. We had Elton Brand on a few weeks ago, and we were, we were talking about the excitement around the team. You're moving into the new field house. This just seems like the next logical step for you in terms of your branding and, and the way you're moving forward. Can you talk about the future of this team? It looks like it's pretty bright right now. Yeah, it really is. And we've been given a gift, like the, the gift of this new uh, field house, 76ers field house that will be here in Wilmington next season. Um, that will obviously be our home, but it's also going to benefit thousands of youth in the area, whether and something that they can aspire to be a part of, because we're going to have three basketball courts, two soccer fields, um, lacrosse, field hockey. All these things are going to take place in this elite youth training complex, and we'll have this uh, beautiful little arena in the middle of it um, that's so, going to really be a, a beacon for us and, and our development. Where, where in Wilmington is it going to be? So it's right on Route 13, um, almost diagonal from the Shoprite. Um, it's uh, it's next to Junior Achievement. If that if, to give you a couple landmarks, 
Um, but it really is going to, I guess the cool thing about it is like the new connector that's coming in uh, is going to drop right on, right at the base of, of the field house. So um, it's, it's going to be accessible and um, it's really going to be, like I said, a, a bright light for, for the city. We, we enjoy talking about uh, the interaction between the sports teams and the community. And, and this seems sort of like the perfect partnership. You, you give youth the opportunity to come in and they're basically around a professional organization playing on what is a professional facility. Can you talk about what it means to be able to have that type of engagement in Wilmington and, and really have your home there? Yeah, um, I think sports team. I've been in in this business for 20 years, and I think sports teams um, are in this unique position to impact kids, and obviously have an obligation to give back. And you know, it just starts you know with our CEO Scott O'Neill and Chris Heck, and it it manifests all the way through each of the entities in our organization. This obligation to serve and try to drive positive change um, in communities. I mean, the organization is going into cities like Camden and uh, Newark um, and now Wilmington that may have some big city problems. And, you know, I think the sports teams can come in and give uh, be a beacon of hope for kids that, that um, maybe uh, need a way out. So it's, it's certainly something that, especially for us, because we don't have as many household names, so being intertwined in the community and giving back to the people that support us is, is really important. It seems like the NBA is really committed to the G League at this point in terms of building it up. Only a few pro teams don't have a G League team. What's it like? You talked about the tradition of the Sixers. The relationship seems to be you know, a great synergy there. What's it like to be able for the pro team that you were involved with before to be able to have their G League team so close and you guys be able to work together like that? Yeah, and you'll, you'll see a lot of these teams now are moving within the same proximity of their parent team. And that was a vision that we've had five years ago, was that we wanted to be close because, um, you know, Brian Colangelo and, and Elton Brand, our new GM, are, you know, kind of committed to player development and being leaders in performance and health and wellness. So the ability to have players potentially go back and forth to work on their craft and use the G League in that, in that way is, is certainly an important piece in, uh, in the process. I'm sure that Firkin is happy that you're close to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> he's, got, yeah, he's gotten some sure. good trips back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a great example, really, of, of that player development. Here's a guy that can come down and, and get some work in and can play in a very competitive, intense situation and um, continue to to hone his craft and the cool thing for us is that our fans like get this really intimate look at him you know can get really close and personal uh with him where they may you know may not have that opportunity uh at the wells fargo center they can certainly have it in our small arena do you do you do you see the interest growing with now that you know the first couple years the g league you don't you don't really know a lot of the players that are down there because most of the players that have been drafted are up on the big club. But now you're ha- starting to have successful players on a lot of these G League teams make their way up. You know, Trey Burke was was with uh, the Knicks minor league team this year, and and for you guys, I would assume the most famous alumni, at least to date, is Robert Covington, who kind of came out of nowhere. Absolutely. I mean, he's probably the poster child for. Um, guy started in the G and 
was able to develop and get an opportunity. And that's really what the G League is about. It's like that. It's all framed around the pursuit of a dream. And um, you know, here's a guy that you know was undrafted and just needed a, an opportunity and made the most of it when he got it. Well, we can't wait to see the field house open. Jeff and I will definitely want to come down and pay you gotta a visit. Be there. We we opening night. We would love to be there and you have to let me know where I can get my shirt and hat cuz I love that logo. I'll rock Absolutely. it. Will somebody actually be in a blue coat riding a horse when they come into the game? Because if not, I'll it volunteer Jeff. <laughs> it might be. Did you say it might be you? <laughs> yeah, it could be me. You know what? Yeah, you, you wear a lot of different hats down in the uh, in the minor league. So, uh, Larry, don't sell yourself Jeff, short. You. Je- Jeff is more than willing to ride on a horse and throw on a coat. I'm six four. And uh, no horse wants me on him. Uh, look, I'll pay you to see it if we're willing to go that far. So, uh, th- thanks Absolutely. so much for uh, for joining us, and uh, we wish you all the best with the expansion. And uh, we can't wait to come see it ourselves. Thank you. If I could just say one more sure. thing. Sure. Yes. We're taking deposits now. Oh. Um, so if you go to Sixers.com backslash uh, Bluecoats or call one of our great reps at 302-504-7587, um, we'll get you in. That was a good pitch right there. I'll, I'll make sure that Jeff Thanks. calls and gets my tickets today. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks Look so much, Larry. Guys. Take you, care. Have a great right. one. Take care. Hey, Jeff, we have another minute before the end of the show, but I know you wanted to talk about a, a charity that's close to your heart and uh, one of our guests that we've had on before, Bill Giles. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, Bill and I have worked on a charity that, that he has been much more involved in because he's been been involved with it since the beginning. Um, and Bill talked about it last year a little bit when he was on the show, is a, a group called Cade Kids, and it, it provides counselors to, to inner city schools. And it's something especially with everything that's been going on in the schools in America recently, that this organization's more important than ever. So um, we, they have put together a raffle, and that raffle is for a partial season ticket plan with the Phillies. Will you be entering me in that as well? So, but they only do it. It's $100 per raffle ticket, and okay. it's a limited number. So please, everybody, go to www.cadekids, so it's C-A-D-E, K-I-D-S dot GiveZooks, G-I-V-E-Z-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you go to that site, you can sign up for that tra- raffle. And the raffle ends this Saturday. So it ends on, uh, no, actually, I think it ends on the 3rd. So go. That's how I'm going to get to see games this year. Yeah, and, and, it, and, and don't do it just for the raffle ticket. Do it because this is actually a very important um, organization. It does a lot of great work in the Philadelphia community, and this is this is another example of sports teams giving back to their community. And that's why we like to highlight things like that. You know, it's just it doesn't matter that it's not a current athlete. It's it just it goes on, and and you like to see that that going on in the community. Your prediction for the final four in our last second: Michigan versus Villanova, and Villanova wins the national championship. Well, we have the same pick. That makes Ryan very happy. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on the Heart of Sports. Join us next week as we take you into the weekend. Have a good one. Bye-bye.